Whether it's Christmas or Thanksgiving, the holidays bring with them fun times and good feelings, but also stress and anxiety too, as we find ourselves bending over backwards to appease our friends and families while trying not to go bankrupt, buying gifts, and missing large amount of work hours in just a span of six to eight weeks. It can be easy to get overwhelmed and lose sight of things. Despite all of that, oftentimes we can come together and make it all worthwhile. That's what we witnessed from today's film. So buckle up and have your boarding passes ready as we ask the question, planes, trains, and automobiles, what's it about? I'm Ricardo Boyd Diaz. And I'm Seth Crow, And this is the What's It About Film Podcast, the show where two aspiring creatives aim to glean the meaning of it all through the media we consume, holding a mirror up to ourselves, and seeing how it reflects in our own lives. Seth, how are you today? I'm good, man. You know, you're catching me at the like uh, peak of my day today. Oh, this is when Seth's at his best, is it? uh, Well, most alert, I would say. (laughs) Uh, Anytime after four o'clock, four to midnight, that's my. You start getting sleepy at four o'clock? No, no, no. Four, four, like I wake up. This is when I'm like fully awake. Like, jeez. (laughs) I mean, I'm awake around 1030 every day, but I don't like I work at nighttime. Mm-hmm. You know, that's so. fair. That's fair. I usually start to get, I actually do start to get sleepy at this time only because, so like around this time of day is when I'm getting off of work, you know, yeah. right around two o'clock, three o'clock. And then I'm getting my first meal of the day Yeah. <laughs> at this time. And it's usually, I'm going to be honest, probably the worst possible food for me. It's, you know, very carby, very, you know, probably some fast food. So like I'm eating some bad food and I'm eating a lot of it. Because because I'm hungry. You're, you you're famished and you're yeah. like, feed me now. Feed me now. And what ends up happening is by the time I get home after like I get my food and I'll eat it in my car. <laughs> <and I'll park. laughs> by the time I get to my room. What's your go-to fast food these days? Uh, Wendy's has been the Wendy's, place. Wendy's. The loophole. It's yeah. the McDonald's loophole. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also like really close to my house and on the way home. So it's like it's honestly became the convenient. And they're really fast. Yeah. Like yeah. they're really quick. So, you know, it's been what it is. But anyway, so I'll eat my Wendy's in my car and then I'll get back. And by the time I literally get into my room, I'm starting to get those like, you just ate a big meal food coma yeah, meals. Yeah, yeah. And so as soon as I like get into my bed, because like I don't have, I have my desk here, but I don't really like sit at my desk. I don't have anywhere to sit in my room really other than my bed. Yeah. <laughs> so like I'll get in my bed and like like put on a video or some or even start to do some work and I immediately start to drift to sleep just because like the food coma starts to take me and then I'll wake up two hours later. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like my normal routine. So like I did just eat before getting on this this. So, uh, so you're call, a, so. so you're a siesta guy. You're like not get- real. Not if I don't do that. So like like if I eat while I'm out and about. That won't happen. Like I don't fall asleep yeah. during the middle of the day unless I'm in my bed. Yeah. Like if I'm in my bed around this time and having just ate, yeah, I'm going to fall asleep. Uh, but if I'm out and about, I don't get sleepy throughout the day unless – like I said, unless like it's very specific. And I actually, I started doing it in Chicago for the same reason. Like I've had this kind of like 2 o'clock eat, eat a big meal at, in, right in the middle of the day kind of schedule for a few years now. Yeah. And so once I started working at the the company that I work at now – which is it's that that schedule all the time. I did notice like, oh, I'm eating big lunches, which are making me sleepy. You know, yeah. make my body's yeah. like, okay, now I need to go to sleep to like start to digest all that that you just put in there. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll wake up at like five, six o'clock, sometimes seven, and 
then I'm like, I feel good. I'm like, oh, wow, yeah, shit. Yeah. Okay. And then I get to like working on stuff around that time. So I get it. But, uh, but yeah, yeah I, go ahead. I, I, I'm not an early riser by any means. Uh, I get up 10 30, 11. Mm-hmm. And then I'll, you know, dilly dally and then I'll make lunch for Sarah and I. It's always the same chicken and rice. We always eat chicken and rice. Wonderful. It's a great uh, dish. Uh, and then so versatile. I'll go, I'll go exercise after that. And then around four o'clock, that's when I'm like at work or like mm-hmm. about to work. So like, that's when I'm most alert is mm-hmm. after my run on the way to work. That, so you're catching me, you're catching me in the sweet spot. Sweet, sweet. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a morning person by nature. I definitely like to sleep in. Um, if I can, but you know, like I said, cause my job schedule has been literally the same for like seven years now. Like not, now I normally wake up like right around eight 30 without fail. Yeah. I, yeah. I would say, oh yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> it just is what it is. I would, I don't know about like my like peak, like energy of the day, but my peak creative energy is at like nine, 10 o'clock, mm. which is weird. That's what like mm. when like the, the, that's when like things flow the best for me. Like I'll like, you know, have a parody or something that I need to write and you know, it'll, I'll be struggling and like procrastinating throughout the day to do it. But then it's like, Oh, it's almost midnight. I should probably sit down and actually write this thing. It just like flow. It's like flows out at like nine, 10, 11 o'clock. And I'm like, huh. And it happens without fail every time. It's so weird. I have yet to land on my peak creative time. I don't That's know. Okay. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to, I don't know how to do it. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> but you know, lately uh, we were just talking about this before we got on the podcast. Lately, my schedule has been all out of whack because I, you know, I, I said last week I'm doing this this uh, voice dubbing thing. So like, literally, I I'm missing work all this week. My like normal day job work all this week because um, I'm I'm coming in every day to do this voice dubbing thing, uh, and so my schedule is a little bit off. And so even we're like recording now. At a different time than usual. Yeah. Um, and it's causing some stress at my work, my day job, yeah. or at least. So, because this all came up so suddenly, like there's people are having to sub for me a lot, yeah. and there's just not been a great response. Not to me, people have nothing against me. It's so like I came in on like last Friday and Saturday, and people were very, you know, very nice and kind and like congratulating me and stuff like that, but they weren't happy with their subs and things like that yeah. and this and so that not only like causes a little bit of guilt in me like feeling like i'm you know i'm disappointed that they're disappointed type thing you gotta let that go bro. i know i know but also like when you know i i work the most hours and like even though i don't really have a title as far as like that says i'm anything other than just a team member i'm I work the most hours and I get treated as if I'm an assistant manager of some type, you know, um, from my other team members, uh, and sometimes from my actual manager. And so when I'm not there, a lot of times things get messy. Yes. And so because again, because this came up so suddenly, like literally like Wednesday night, it's like, okay, you're coming in tomorrow at noon. Like I had forgotten to, you know, and then I had like to watch all these episodes and, and prep all this stuff. So like my mind was not on my day job. And so I forgot to do something. I forgot to share with the sub what lesson plan I was doing for, for a class. Um, yeah. And, but nobody 
reached out to me to say, hey, like, what are you doing in this class? They just didn't. And then the same – and then again, coming up Monday, that same class is coming up, came up on Monday, yesterday. And the same teacher was going to cover me. But again, nobody had asked me what I was doing in that class. And I just – it had just slipped my mind. Again, my mind's not on it right now because I have yeah. so much other stuff to think about. And so I'm, I'm in my recording session and my phone starts going off. And that's embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, for anybody who's not a not a an, an actor or performer, when you're breaking in, like you're starting to like really get into the business, you it's Are you a feel slave. very you're a slave. Well, not only that, like you you feel very vulnerable because you don't want to screw up. Like you feel like you're like you're on you're on the precipice of a cliff. And if you make a mistake, they're going to just write, they're going to write you off. Right. You're, walking, like, you're all walking on eggshells. The whole exactly. Time exactly. You don't, you, you know, but once you're more established, you can feel more comfortable, but you know, I'm not at that point yet. Fuck that. <laughs> 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 Fuck that. Anyway. So my phone starts going off while I'm recording and, and it was my boss. And I'm like, you, I told you what time I was going to be here. And so, cause I forgot to put it on airplane mode when I started recording. Because nobody calls me ever, <laughs> you know, especially at that yeah. time of day. So, so she starts calling me, and I'm, I had to apologize, you know. And and I don't want to put this on the people who I'm working with, the production and all, because they were very much like, "Oh, no big deal," you know, whatever. Again, this was all me. This was all on me being just being insecure. And again, like you, me feeling like I need to be an exemplar of a young up and coming talent, you know. Yeah as professional and prepared and, and easy to work with as possible. Yeah. So, so I'm already on edge and then I'm getting this, these calls from my boss like 10 minutes before the first class of the day at my day job is getting ready to start. And then I get texts. What, what are you doing for this class? I was like, why didn't anybody remind me to like, you know, on Thursday, didn't she do the class on Thursday? It's like, yeah, but she just did something else. I was like, well, then why was didn't anybody communicate that with me before? And then my my boss says to me, I thought you said you were going to communicate with her. And I flipped because, again, I'm already feeling very insecure in the environment I'm in. And now I'm getting this frantic thing. And it's like, look, I did drop the ball. I absolutely did. I, I understand that, right? But that's so, what you're out there for, man. Like, I know. you can't beat yourself up. Like, I know, and that's why I I, I didn't beat myself up. If the right, but I did, if the right I did job react. came along, you yeah. would quit your job immediately. Oh yeah, and so so yeah, like I said, I'm feeling insecure in the new environment that I'm in. I'm feeling a little bit insecure because I did make a mistake by not communicating well or forgetting to communicate something. So I'm, you know, I'm 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 on edge in 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 a in an agitated state. And then I get this, I thought you said you were going to do this thing. And I immediately was like, you know what? Like right now I'm, I'm working, like I'm doing in this session. I can't, don't have time to communicate all this right now. Let me, let me get, get back to you after in a couple hours when I'm done. So I went back and I was like, I never said I was going to communicate with this person. So I don't know where you're getting that from. But anyway, I ended up going off on my boss. Mm. And it was, again, because I was in a state of agitation and stress and anxiety. Yeah. Um, and so I ended up sending this really long text and basically like being like, um, you, you don't communicate well. I understand that I made a mistake here, but like the way you're communicating with me is upsetting me. And it, it, this isn't the only time this is happening a lot. 
And so she got mad. She got frustrated with me. And now it's like, you know what? Maybe we should we should sit down and talk about this. And I was like, we should also probably bring in the owner too. Mm. No. So like I – yeah. And I'm not going to be there all this week until Saturday. So like – and I won't see her on Saturday because she doesn't work on Saturday. But I will see her on Thursday before we have this meeting. So like again, this like – this great opportunity. This great opportunity is good, but it's but it's definitely throwing my life into a state of like just I'm at the mer- like you said I'm at the mercy of this production. I don't know when I'm coming into work until like seven o'clock the night yeah. before. No, I feel you, man. That's and, so, and that's like, also like right now, Justin and I are trying to shoot a, shoot a, do some research for a short film that we made uh, that we're making. We shot a few months ago. We're, we're supposed to do reshoots on Sunday, and now they're asking me to maybe come in on Sunday. And so like, I'm like trying to, to be like, I don't think I can. So like, it's just like, you know what I mean? But now I'm, so now I'm feeling guilty that I can't do this other thing that I've committed to. It's, it's putting me in a state of like, it's a great opportunity, but it's definitely putting me in a state of being very agitated and anxious. Watch Ricky as he juggles his new ball. Yeah. I'm on a tightrope for sure, man. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I am, I am in a in a state. That's for You're stressed. Sure. No, I, I get you. Stressed. I was there the week prior with this elf stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, which, how's that going? How are you how are you feeling about that? Uh, I've I've settled into it uh, a little bit, and I'm, I'm I wouldn't say <clears throat> there's aspects that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not enjoying it per se. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to be 34 and an elf. Um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but i am getting i am getting to see kind of you know i haven't worked with kids in this mass ever mm-hmm. and it, that's been pretty fascinating um it's also keeping me on my toes as like an improviser because like it breaks all the rules of improv like every, every working with kids it's like the inverse of improv like, oh i don't know if i necessarily agree with that uh you uh, you got to ask questions. You have to be prepared. Like you are driving every scene. Like there's, I think there are some, some rules to the game. That's what I would say. I wouldn't say it's anti-improv, but I would say like, it's like, it's still improv. No, yeah. you're, not, you're not. I'm just saying yeah. like, like you're supposed, like you have to ask questions, mm-hmm. which in improv, you're not supposed to ask questions. Uh, okay. I get so, it. Like, it's like inverse improv. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, imagine it's like the imaginary number version of improv. Gotcha. Uh, so it's a little weird. Um, it's different. It's a different skill for sure. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm, you know, there's like a duality to all things. So it's weird because like, I'm getting to see kind of some really sad moments with these kids, mm-hmm. you know, like I had an, a girl walk up to me the other night and, you know, I'm in character and it's like a private party. Mm-hmm. And this, the first thing out of this little girl's mouth is my mom died and it's very sad. And it was like, whoa, like, I mean, I was like, yes, that is, yes, that is very sad, you know? And, and like this little girl and like, it's just weird. Cause you know how my brain is, I'm very analytical mm-hmm. and like, I can't mm-hmm. not macro it out. And like, she didn't want anything to do with Santa. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense because she's mad at Santa. Because mm-hmm. like Santa can't Santa, bring right. her mom back, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I became the proxy for Santa, like as Eddie, because I'm not trying to 
necessarily give her anything, mm-hmm. but I'm also still kind of magical. Mm-hmm. So like she was attached to my hip the whole night mm-hmm. and, and it was just sad because mm-hmm. she told me she loved me. And then she like asked me to be her secret dad. Will you be my Ooh. secret dad? <laughs> and it's like, you know, it's, it's, and then at the end of the night, you're like, you got to leave, you know, goodbye forever, goodbye yeah. forever. And like, Oh, also I've been lying to you this whole time. So it's like it, no, I understand that. Um, I, I'm in a more a situation where I'm seeing a lot of these kids every week. So like that, like interaction is like a little bit more like it can be, it can be, and I'm not playing a character, right? I'm, I'm there. I am their teacher and I am myself. So I'm not like playing a fictional being, yeah. You know, so I can be a little yeah. bit more guided with them and not like, you know, break character. I guess that's like the h- tough part is you can't like break. Yeah. The, the t- you're, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm supposed to be propping yeah. up this delusion. <laughs> so that's it's tough, like, man. Yeah. It's a, it's a morally complex yeah. situation for me, you know? Uh, we should, we should talk well, about the movie though. Well, this I was going to say a lot preamble. of this stuff and I was going to, I was going to, I was just getting ready to segue about like, this is sometimes what like this this time of year between Thanksgiving and New Year's and Christmas, like this time of year brings up a lot of stuff like this, a lot of, a lot of stress, yeah. a lot of anxiety, a lot of pressure to like make people happy. Yeah. Right. Like this time of year is like supposed well, to be the happiest time of year. It's, it's Thanksgiving with your family. It's Christmas and then it's New Year's. It's supposed to be this like celebratory end of year thing. And a lot of the times it just adds a lot of pressure to stuff. It, it highlight it, it for some for for I think it's very human to highlight what you mm-hmm. don't have at this time well, of year. You know, like it, it's it's easy to right. get depressed. It's easy to think about what mm-hmm. you've lost. You know, it's like what you wish you had or what you, 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 right. you wish and, you still and had. Absolutely, and I mean, I mean, people talk about this is the time of year where like depression is at an all time high. You know. People kill right. themselves more than any like other not time to of be year on a, this time a, of year. a very sad note to start off the podcast, but that's true. Right. And, and I mean, that's just a fact because you're right. Like when you want know to, you know what part of it is, is like we're conditioned to think that we're supposed to be happy more around this time of year than we are any rest of the time of year. Like yeah. all this media, movies, music. It's the exactly. Most wonderful time. Exactly. Like we're, we're told that we're yeah. supposed to be the happiest right now. And then you're right. It only, it only further drives in when you're not happy. And like you can see, and again, social media doesn't help where people are like showing how happy they are at this time of year and things like that. And like, it's like social media does such a good job of like hiding people's struggles and only highlighting, highlighting yeah. their, their highs and, and erasing their lows. It's the devil. Yeah. So it's, it's tough. And I think this movie, I think, which is our movie of the day, Planes, Trains and Automobiles does a good job of showing the amount of pressure and and anxiety that we put not only put are put upon is put upon us but that we put upon ourselves to like make things yeah. work at this time of year or how our expectations of how exactly. things are supposed to be exactly and so and so uh, i think things that we're talking about it just kind of highlights what this movie is also getting into is like this time of year gets very intense yeah our expectations are at their mm-hmm. highest. 
and therefore we are at our yes. most disappointed. So, Seth, you picked Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, not technically a Christmas movie, although, like, you could you, interchange Christmas in, in for this movie. In this you, movie, very well. Yes, you could. You could. There's yeah. nothing specifically Thanksgiving about this movie. Because even like the Thanksgiving dinner could easily be Chris- Christmas dinner. The Thanksgiving pageant can easily be Christmas uh, pageant. I, I mean, there is a theme that I think is very Thanksgiving mm-hmm. in this film, which, but that 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 yeah, theme is also in Christmas, Christmas and Thanksgiving so, have some similarities. But thankfulness is a huge, a huge yes. theme in this. Yes. Film. Um. So. Uh, but we'll get into that later. All right, were you yeah. going to ask me why I picked this movie? Um, honestly, because of us, Ricky. That's why I picked this movie. Because I'm Steve Martin because... and you're John Candy. Well, I don't think that's. I think I just think that our relationship, especially mm. in the beginning, was very much like this. Really, I think we have the same chemistry. That Steve Martin. Which and one John is the witch? Well, I think I think it's debatable mm-hmm. now. Uh, as I think we interchange, you know, yeah, grown up together. Uh, yeah, as we've grown up together. But initially, I was Steve Martin. What? hundred percent. <laughs> what did I slam do? Dunk, Tell me. Slam dunk. Well, no, it's just like you just you're. I've never met another actor besides you. Like John Candy is one of my mm-hmm. favorite comedic actors. And you are the only other person that I can think of in the world that has the same type, like uh, the same style as John Candy. Uh, and I, I've always looked up to Steve Martin. You know, he's kind of like what I want to be when I grow up. But you're the way you move through the world. I've never met anybody. I've, you are the only person I've ever met that's Aww, like John Candy. I'll take that as a huge compliment. Yeah. It's a, it is is meant to be a huge compliment because he's an incredible actor. He's super funny, but really what makes him so like, he's just so genuine and likable, you know, he's so himself that it, you just remind me so much of him. And this relationship definitely is, I think a good, like representation of our relationship. I get, I it's can a, get that. It's a, it's a, it's a comedic version but it's definitely like, I mean, riding with Ricky is like, is <laughs> like, it's like a microcosm of that. You know what I mean? And I think now we, me and I have learned a lot from each other, and I think it's debatable. Mm-hmm. Like I have, I, I'm, I'm leaning more towards the John Candy type these days, mm-hmm. and I would say you've put on a, you put on a fedora uh, as, as a, a Steve Martin recently, but, um, but I would say that that's because they feed into each other. Mm-hmm. So, and we'll talk more about that, but that's why I picked this movie is because it's the holidays. I'm in my fields and I wanted a movie that reminded, like the first time I saw this movie, I was like, that's me and Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> I, so. I honestly, I, I, I couldn't watch it and not see parts of that. Cause like you, like I was like, I think parts of me are very John Candy ish, at least in this movie, very Dell. Um, and then yeah. I think you're right. Sometimes I get a little uptight. I get a little, I get a little, <laughs> you know, a little clenched, uh, like a Steve, like Steve Martin does in this film. Uh, so I definitely see myself in both. Um, and so, yeah, I couldn't help but like also like see like our relationship in this too. 
And it is fun to kind of explore that here, especially at the end of the well, year. Well, when we first met, I was like, you know, like I was like, yeah, it's got to be this way, you know, yeah. like. And then you you were much more loosey goosey, go with the flow, you know, mm-hmm. like maybe that uh, type A. It was buried deep down, but you were you were never put in a position to be able to like execute use it oh i run away from any type of leadership yeah leadership role like i i head for the hills but i I mean but maybe that's debatable about john candy is just he doesn't have anything and he would be it he would be like steve more like steve martin if he were given things you know so maybe we'll get we'll get there let's 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 uh yes well, let's talk about how this film came to be a little bit yeah because um, yeah. obviously already uh, listeners I'm sure you can tell that like this film I think gets anybody who watches this film it can probably feel what's go- like feel the feelings of this film if that makes sense like you're gonna you're gonna relate you're gonna relate however I will say this about this movie before we get uh, any further the comedy is so subtle yeah like this 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 is sneak. This one's sneaky. It's not like the rest of John Hughes films. No, no, it's, uh, it is sneaky, funny. It's very, very needed in, mm-hmm. you know. And, and, and not only that, a little, uh, I wouldn't say mean spirited, but uh, maybe a, just a little bit more edgy, right? Yeah. I mean, honestly, this this feels like some like something we would make in senses of like you and I are really good at burying the jokes, like deep in. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you, you, you won't even know they're there unless, unless you really know to look for them. And, uh, yeah, I was just watching this. And I was like, this wouldn't work now. Like this It'd be tough. Wouldn't. It's not as broad. It's actually much more narrow, much more niche than, yeah. than it appears. Yeah. Like you you're expecting like slapstick and there's a little, a little like, but like most of the jokes are real sly. Mm-hmm. Like, like, and they're like, like. Uh, the one he's like, I'm sleeping in a puddle of beer. I just want to get some rest. And he's like, yeah, I'm bushed like that joke. <laughs> me too. Huh. <laughs> me too. I'm bushed. But like bushed is a bush is a brand. Yeah. Of beer. So like, like no, same, he's bushed. <laughs> yeah. He's bushed. like, that's so good. Like, that's like such a subtle joke. Mm-hmm. That, like I, I had to be like, did you get that to Sarah? Cause like, she's like, what do you mean? And I was like, bush is a beer. Like that. That's, it's so smart. Mm-hmm. It's so smart. Yeah. Uh, speaking of John Hughes, uh, let's talk about the, how this film yeah. uh, came to be. So, yeah, this film is written and directed by the legendary John Hughes. Some of you may know John Hughes as the writer of National Lampoon's C- Class Reunion, Mr. Mom, National Lampoon's Vacation, Nathan Hayes, 16 Candles, The Breakfast Club, European Vacation, Weird Science, Pretty in Pink, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Some Kind of Wonderful, She's Having a Baby, The Great Outdoors, Uncle Buck, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Home Alone, Career Opportunities, Dutch, Curly Sue, Beethoven, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, Dennis the Menace, Baby's Day Out, Miracle on 34th Street, 101 Dimensions, Flubber, Home Alone 3, Reach the Rock, just visiting and the story of made in Manhattan and Drobit Taylor under the pseudonym Edmund Dantes. So basically defined the eighties and nineties almost, especially for what younger audiences. Man. Yeah, man. What, a, what if influ like influential this guy exactly. had so much influence on us? No kidding. Well, that's what I'm saying that's for insane. us, like, Early, you know, 80s and 90s films when we were kids, right? 16 Candles, Breakfast Club, Weird Science, Ferris Bueller, Home Alone, 
uh, Home Alone 2, you know, uh, Uncle Buck, Curly Sue, Beethoven, Flubber. You know, it's it just goes on and on and on. Like who did who did Groundhog's Day? Uh, that was uh, was that Harold Ramis that wrote that? That was Harold Ramis. Harold yeah. Ramis, yeah. Uh, Harold Ramis, yeah. But still, like uh, you know, in that still in the same in that era. Yeah. But you know, oh, man, uh, it's it's crazy, man. It is it is so interesting how many and like pretty pro- prolific writer. He wrote a lot. Yeah. Um, and then also among those films, he also directed Sixteen Candles, The Breakfast Club, Weird Science, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, She's Having a Baby, Uncle Buck, and Curly Sue. So he didn't direct quite as much, uh, along with obviously Plane Trains and All the Wheels. So he didn't direct quite as much, but he definitely wrote so much. And like I said, iconic. So many iconic films, especially for young yeah. audiences. Um, and like just like so successful like so popular like they're just good you know like they're 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 not oscar winning movies but they're all classics classics you know and you know i'm honestly surprised we hadn't done a john hughes movie to this point especially i mean not to like put you on blast or anything you being very ferris bueller inspired yeah well yeah i mean we can talk about that too but that i mean I have a love hate relationship with the well, you know, you know my love hate relationship with improvisation. Mm-hmm. Ferris Bueller's Day Off is kind of the I don't know. There's like a the what the word is. It's like the the golden. It's like the move. It's like the golden child of mm-hmm. an improvisation. Golden movie. standard. Like, it's the golden standard of an improv movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, like this is how you should live your life. You know, and so like I love that movie, but now I have this like bitterness towards it. In yeah. A weird way. But you, sometimes you grow to resent stuff that you idolize because you can't have it, yeah. right? But I'm trying to heal, and we can talk about that. We, we can talk about. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's the player that's in place for this movie is John Hughes. He wrote and directed this. Um, so let's talk about kind of what inspired and brought this movie to us to where it is today. So. There's an old adage that there's an old adage in screenwriting, which is write what you know. And in this case, that's exactly what writer director John Hughes did. While working in New York, Hughes planned a short two day trip home to Chicago that turned into a complete nightmare. Due to bad snowstorms, Hughes' flight was emergency diverted to Wichita, Kansas. And as the story goes, it took Hughes five days to make his way from Wichita to his family in Chicago. Sound familiar? Wow. Wow. <laughs> and indeed, it was this unbelievably frustrating experience that would inspire the story of planes, trains, and automobiles. By this time in his career, Hughes had already established himself as a bona fide hit maker in Hollywood with such iconic films as National Lampoon's Vacation, Sixteen Candles, Breakfast Club, Pretty in Pink, etc., 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 just to name a few. While doing so, Hughes had also built up a reputation as an extremely efficient writer, said to churn out 120-page scripts in about four or five days on average, and do more than 20 rewrites per script. However, his harrowing travel story was so strong that he produced the first draft of this movie in under three days, and it was Hughes' script that would move the film down the pipeline. Before long, Hughes' script began making its rounds to potential stars, and it would eventually cross the path of comedy icon Steve Martin. Martin was immediately interested in doing the film after reading two scenes. Can you guess what those two scenes are? 
The fuck scene? Yeah, that's one of them. Uh, and maybe the, the first scene that with no words close close so it okay. is yes the car the rental car tirade with all the f words and the adjustable car seat scene oh okay <laughs> after having read those two scenes uh martin immediately wanted to do the film and then after having worked with hughes on national lampoon's vacation john candy was offered the role of dell candy would eventually become a consistent collaborator with hughes appearing in five more of hughes's films until his death in 1994 Planes, Trains, and Automobiles premiered in theaters in November of 1987 and grossed grossed just under $50 million worldwide on a $15 million budget, making it a moderate financial success. However, it was the film's critical acclaim that would fuel its motor, as it was pretty universally beloved at the time of its release and even continues to be so to this day, many calling it one of the best buddy comedies of all time. As any good road trip movie shows us, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. And Planes, Trains, and Automobiles Journey makes makes it that much more enjoyable a ride. And that's the story of Planes, Trains, Automobiles. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I was thinking, like, I don't think anybody else could have played John Candy's role. like At that time? In the, in the 80s? Because Chris Farley yeah. hadn't hit yet. Um, Chris Farley couldn't have done it either. No, not in that way. Although no. Tom, Tommy Boy has shades of this, right? But Chris Farley's character is his his demeanor is too much. Yeah, like I mean, that's true. John Candy. It's, you know what? I hadn't seen this movie in a really long time, and it is like people do laud it as like a hilarious film, and it is very funny. But like, like you're right, it's deceptively more subtle than you think it is. Like, yeah. it's not. It's there's a little slapstick, but there's not that much of it. It's not like ha 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 funny. Yeah, it's like it's like more like pfft. yeah. It's, <laughs> like, it's a little snide, you know. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. There's a cynicism like, in it. Like Chris Farley's time, like sense of comedy is way too over the. It's top. It's huge, yeah. Extreme, yeah. Like I don't like the idea that Chris Farley and John Candy are interchangeable actors. Like it's totally. Oh, that that's a fair that's totally no, false. that's a fair point. Although I will say they would go out for the same roles frequently. Yeah. I mean, I could see why, but just because like they're the big guy mm. actor type, but I just I don't see them as the same actor yeah, I, at all. Yeah, that's a fair point. Like who at that time could have possibly I mean, I guess if this is if you're thinking about like guys of the same I don't know if I can think of another actor like John Candy. I'm telling you. I don't Mm. think there's another actor like John Candy. Mm. Like, John Candy has such a special place in his person. Like, that was why it was such a tragedy when he died. Like, there's there's nobody like John Candy. No. I I mean, it'd be tough. I'm I'm hard-pressed. Maybe some of you out there can be like, what about this actor? Uh, And we we would be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, you're right. Off the top of my head in this very moment. Not, not gonna, I, I mean, I do think I don't like. I was trying to think of who could play, who could have played uh, uh, Steve Martin's part. I think there's a maybe. I think I would. You could pick a couple. Sarah refuted refuted one of them. I mean, I think Steve Martin does a really good job. Oh, he's yeah, he's great. I think Bill Murray might have been a better pick. I don't know. We've talked about this before. Like Bill Murray is so good at being like a jackass. Neil Neil Steve Martin's character isn't really a 
that yeah, kind of that's... he's not that kind of jackass. He is so so like he's I the think... jerk, but he's not a jackass. Yeah, so like I think that's I think that's why Steve Martin is perfect for this is mm-hmm. because the other the other person I suggested was um uh, uh Tom Hanks, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like Steve Martin is, is like, oh my gosh, it's like a little like yeah. evolution chart. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about that. Tom I was thinking about like <laughs> Tom Hanks to, to Bill Murray is like yeah, the missing yeah. link is a Steve Martin. Yeah. yeah. That's true. And so it is kind yeah. of perfect because I think Tom Hanks is too soft. Mm. And Bill Murray is probably uh, like, too hard. Uh, like not I think Dan Aykroyd could could pull this off at that Maybe. at that time. Maybe not anymore, but, but at that time too, he could have. Dan Aykroyd's a little too strange. He's a little weird. You know, Steve Martin is like he can pl- he could be the like business guy, yeah. the like the family man. No, he, and he, yeah, Steve Martin's great at that. He, this, yeah, yeah, this is I think a. But I don't one think of the Steve most Martin, per- perfect castings we've ever seen. I, I don't think Steve Martin shines as much as John Candy in this movie. Like I think I, I don't. Well, think, yeah. I like I think some of the stuff that Steve Martin's really good at, like, I think he's a really good actor and you actually get to see that in this movie because he has to act. Oh yeah. Right. He has to really act. Cause like he is playing so annoyed at John well, Candy. And, but like he's, well, he's just holding and he's holding so much back. Right. And he is the straight man, yeah. you know, which is, a, I think a unique kind of a unique place for Steve Martin to be, mm-hmm. you know, he's not usually the straight man. He's usually kind of out there. So like, putting him in the straight man role and then John Candy playing around him. I mean, it's really neat. Mm. It's really neat to watch. I mean, like it's like even it, it, he's such a straight man that they even had to like pump in physical comedy for him to like get some of, of it out. Yeah. To like know? not waste a, not waste a Steve Martin. Yeah. Yeah. Like, cause I, I've actually had this discussion with somebody before where I was talking about like casting and stuff like that. And like someone was like, why do you get super like, uh, you know, frustrated or annoyed with certain bits of casting? I was like, because sometimes they'll cast somebody and they won't let them do the thing that they're good at. Right. Yeah. Like you're like, you're, it's like, if you wanted somebody to do this other thing, why would you, why wouldn't you cast somebody that's good at that thing? Why would you get somebody that's has this thing that they're amazing at and then not use that skill at all? Like I get like toning it back or allowing that actor to explore something different, but like to not use like their like their like strengths. their best strengths at all. Yeah. And and I compared it to them. I compared it for them of like right now. Like there's this big thing in the NFL. Russell Wilson, right? Russell Wilson is on the Broncos now, and you know Russell Wilson had a lot of success with Seattle, and then he got traded to the Broncos and is having the worst season of his career. And you know. Terrible, terrible. One of the, they're saying potentially one of the worst trades of all time is he's been awful, and a lot of it is because Denver is trying to make Russell Wilson run a system as a quarterback that he is not the type of quarterback that he is. Yeah, and so it's like you're you you. Why would you trade for Russell Wilson, the person that's good at this thing and had a, you know been to two Super Bowls, has been a Super Bowl MVP? Why would you take that guy and take what he's good at and then try and make him do something else? Like, what's the point of that? Why not get somebody else that does the thing that you want them to do? It doesn't make yeah. sense. And so, like, when I explained it in that way, they're like, oh, okay, I get what you're saying. And I agree with you. Like, they they had to throw in a little bit of slapstick to, like, let Steve Martin, Steve Martin a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So I totally I, uh, get it. I, I'm trying to think, like, my favorite, my favorite moments in this movie. Oh, man. Uh, I think... 
I I love when the guy pulls up in the pickup truck with his wife. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so it's so funny. Like like that actor, and then and then he's like talking about his wife, and then like you think it's gonna be like his wife is it's like oh his poor wife, you know. But then she gets out and she's like she's strong as an ox and she just slams the door as hard as she can. Uh, it's just so subtly good. Like it's it's so funny. Yeah. Uh, and then like the the scene when they're in uh, they're in the hotel room, you know, mm-hmm. which hotel like, room. The, well, first that, hotel room or second hotel room? Like the first one. Okay. And like, I don't know. They walked, they towed the line for modern day audience with this. There's but. a little, there's, a, I say, there's a potentially a hint of a, a trigger warning, a hint of homophobia in here. Yeah. But, but it's played very realistically. It is. You know, like, it's played very grounded. Like, if you, to, to spoil what the scene is, if you were to stick your hand in someone else's butt, yeah. Regardless of whose butt it might be, you might also yeah. be like, yeah. okay, you know, yeah, and yeah, like, yeah, yeah, someone yeah, who yeah. might have the, uh, someone stick their hand in your well, butt, and you, you just might met also a stranger. be like, exactly. You just met a stranger that you're sharing a hotel room with. Yeah. You know, and like that moment when they walk in and he's like, uh, and he's like, are you going to take a shower? <laughs> well, it's like, <laughs> and he's like, uh, oh no, he's like, no, he I, says, do you want to take a shower? Yeah, do you, <laughs> that yeah, makes it more sense. That's what's like, yeah. no, no, do no, no. <laughs> Who do you think I am? Who do you think I like? Yeah. And, and then, like, they get out of the bed at, in the morning because he's like kissing his ear or whatever. And he's like, how about them bears? You know, <laughs> oh, they're just, great this season. They're great this season. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's executed really well. I also like the know? massaging bed of like the, I didn't know they were going to explode. <laughs> well, what do you think would happen with beers on a vibrating bed? He's like, you know, it just never occurred to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's me. You know, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. This one is great. And, and yeah, Steve Martin and, and John Candy are so good in this movie. Um, it's I'd be hard pressed to really think of a better pairing, honestly. Yeah, I I, I want to like. Here's the thing: I would like to see Bill Murray in this part again. Mm-hmm. Like, I wish I could just see what that would. Well, look like. you know, right now there's apparently a rumor they're going to remake it. Uh, originally, it was Kevin Hart and Will Smith, but apparently, also they're talking mm-hmm. maybe a different version. If that doesn't work out, I'm Sandler and Drew Barrymore. Whoa, weird. yeah, weird. I know, weird switch. Um, but they, they've been talking about doing this remake for a couple years now, so who knows if that's ever going to happen? I, I just. This is just an imaginary exercise, like just to go back in time and watch Bill Murray and John Candy together. Well, you know, you know with the way they're doing uh, deep fakes and and CGI actors oh, these that's days, not the same thing. that's not the it, same. It, thing. it could happen. We could we could go back and remake yeah. any movie with anybody. Just like Bill Murray having more of an asshole edge pushed up against John Candy. I don't know. I don't know you if know? it would work. I think Bill Murray's just too sarcastic. I mean, yeah. it's a the, it takes a lot to like get like that like sensitivity out of Bill Murray. I've only only seen it twice, three times if you count. What about Bob? But what about Bob? He kind of starts in a vulnerable place. Like the movie builds. The movie's built for you to to feel empathy for him. But like Groundhog Day, he starts off as a great a asshole, and like you do end up kind of liking him by the end. And then I would say Scrooged. Like he does also start off as yeah. kind of an asshole. But again, the movie's structured to really. Start him in one place and then end him in another. If the movie, this movie is more, it's not really built that way per se. 
Like, yeah. I don't think I don't think Neil, the character, does enough to like overcome being that much of an asshole. Yeah, it'd be tough. It'd be tough. But we're we're getting lost in the weeds here, is because yeah, yeah. Because I just I just think this movie is really fun to talk about, especially like when you like go into like, oh, what about this and what about that, like the hypotheticals yeah. of different casting, because it is such an iconic film, and it's easy to get lost in that. But and it's so simple. It is. The so movie's simple. so simple. It is. It's, it is what it exactly. It's laid yeah. out very like a roadmap. You know, you like. like and yep. If it were any like if you put anybody else in any of these parts, it would be a totally different movie. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. So that makes it fun to like as like a thought experiment, which makes yeah. it makes it easy to go off on tangents. That's for sure. But uh, yeah. so for those of you at home who are listening to this podcast are forty five minutes in and don't know the plot of this movie. For shame on you. <laughs> Here's what this movie is, just as a reminder. Uh, so we're about to uh, do our, our old our old game here. We're going to flog. We're doing it. Okay, guys. So I'm going to – I wrote down a little uh, little log line here. And Seth's going to score me on a scale of 1 to 10. And we're going to add that to my overall average here. Again, goal is to stay above an 8. Right now I'm at an 8.26, so I'm doing pretty well. So let's see what I get from today's log line, my today's vlog. So here it goes. Adman Neil Page desperately pushes through a series of misadventures to make his way home for Thanksgiving, accompanied by a well-intentioned companion that just seems to make things worse. What do you think? Should I read it again? Yeah, read it one more time. Adman Neil Page desperately pushes through a series of misadventures to get home for Thanksgiving while accompanied by a well-intentioned companion that just seems to make everything worse. I think that's – it's pretty solid. I'll give it a 8.5. 8.5. All right. I, I agree. Uh, I think it's, it's – it's, I think it had the same problem as I did last week. That's just a smidge long, a little wordy. But like, and I think I'm trying to capture think, the vibe. Like, you have to like, yeah. Like the whole thing is think, the vibe. It's like stuck up guy, nice sweet guy that just like is kind of oblivious, and like that's like the the the, the movie. I think you can. I think you can give a little bit more about John Candy's character on the end there. Okay. So that's my only critique. Okay. So you said it could go like, even longer, even. Uh, I think you could. I th- I, I, I think it could be honed. Ah. Uh, so like, uh, there is a word or something you could use to describe that companion as opposed to, uh, as opposed to well-intentioned. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, a bumbling or something like a bumble, a bumbling. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, to like surmise his character. So we get the, we get the sense of, Mm -hmm. of their dynamic. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, fair enough. I'll take the 8.5. That brings up my average to an 8.275. Nice. So I go nice. up just a, just a smidge, just a little bit. I'll take it. Thank you, Seth, and thank you all of for vlogging the log with me. What would your log flog be? I can't believe we're sticking with flog the log. <laughs> I haven't come up with anything better, and I've tried. <laughs> but anyway, it's time for that uh, – that part of the conversation, the titular question, Seth, you yeah. picked this movie, so that means so I get to ask pass. you. That's right. Yeah. All right. Planes, trains, and automobiles. Ricardo Play Diaz. What's it about? Yeah. 
Um, so there's a lot going on here. There's a lot. Um, I mean, we we touched already touched on some of it. Like we've touched on a lot of like the t- the way the time of year functions and like weighs on people. I think is a huge part of this movie. Um, because like this type of pressure doesn't occur all year round, or at least not in this way. And so, like you said, like the time of year plays a huge role. But ultimately, for me, as I was watching this movie, what I was seeing was somebody who is really anxious and stressed and uptight and putting a lot of pressure on themselves get stuck with somebody who cannot really control much of anything about themselves and just has a complete unawareness. And how one person's status causes them to get frustrated with these types of people. Yeah. Which causes them to miss bigger the bigger pictures. Yeah. And so for me to like boil it down to kind of condense it a little bit uh, and concentrate it. I think it's patience brings perspective. Okay. I like it. When you're, you know, we get so, we get so bogged down with our day-to-day lives and the different types of, again, family and societal and political creative pressures, artistic pressures, expectations that, we it's easy for us to and I you know I'm just maybe I'm getting the most out of this right now because I just like like I talked about earlier just had a scenario where I lost my patience right yeah. I was in a state of agitation and, and and anxiety and stress and so I I lost I lost my cool um and maybe I'm not seeing a larger you know I treat I treated somebody as an issue rather than as a person and and i think that's i mean i think you're beating yourself up a little bit just i mean i know what you're saying in regards to this film mm-hmm. but as like in a like from a on a personal level i think it's good that you stood up for yourself so don't 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 yeah. be don't, uh, don't you don't want me to take up. the wrong lessons <laughs> i get <laughs> yes. it yes no i i yeah. totally understand and I, I like i said that's why i have a meeting schedule with that and like we're, that's all going to get worked out and it'll be fine but um I think in general, I think this is something that we all have a problem with in that we let things wear down our patience and our tolerance of, of people sometimes of like minor, of minor annoyances, right? Like, yeah. and we forget to look at that person's humanity. Yeah. Um, and I think this movie does such a great job of stripping the character of Neil down to the point where he is finally able to see it. And what's, I think this movie does so well is it never, it doesn't explicitly say any of that stuff until, until Neil has the realization. Like I, if you're a savvy film goer and like a a story person, the the clues are obviously there. Like, and and like they, there's one very overt line that like could be forgotten. I haven't been home in a year. Exactly. Yeah, that's the line. Yeah. That that line is very overt in that like, okay, there's something else going on here. But I think yeah. if you're not at paying attention as closely as sometimes we do when we watch movies, that could easily be glossed over. 
Yeah. Uh, and I like that it's never explicitly said. And John Candy Dell would never say it unless someone directly asked him, right? He would never, ever admit that that's what's going on with him. It's interesting that he, he's named Dell. Because of Dell Close? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've never heard that name anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And John Hughes definitely had a deep connection to that world. Well, yeah. So it's an interesting choice to name this guy Del, I think, mm-hmm. Del Griffith. Um, uh, we're going to unfold that. I, we'll get there, mm-hmm. I think. So, so yeah. Um, so for me, it's it's like the only time you can get perspective on stuff is if you don't get thrown off and caught up in these other – in things that are truly minor inconveniences. You know what I mean? So, like, I guess yeah. for me, like, what this movie does so interestingly is that, like, Neil's wife doesn't get upset with him. There's got to be more going on there. Well, I, I, well, so uh, th- I didn't say this in the in the recap, but originally the 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 runtime for this movie, uh, the original first cut, was three hours long. Um, and there was a subplot where she thought he might be cheating on her. That has to be. That has to be going on. Yeah, like there's that is the subtext. Yeah, in this film, because otherwise, why does it matter so much? Right. Well, that's why I think this this film like loses a little bit in that subplot, and that like you know he calls her and he's like I'm in Wichita, like we got diverted, and she's not upset. Yeah. Like she like she gets it. She's like yeah, okay. Well, and she's she's hot. She's very right? pretty. And so like there is this like. I think what's implied is at what point is she going to cheat on him? Mm. You know, like, because she doesn't have to be like, she could be with anybody Mm -hmm. is basically. And so I think he's probably so like caught up in his work. And you think that that's an insecurity of his. Yes. Yes. And I don't think they do a great job of no. like conveying those stakes, but the subtext is there. Right. I, I And I understand that. But I also think though that that's an element of this movie that I think is interesting is that like sometimes we're putting these, these pressures on us. Like I've never missed a flight, but I've come very, very close a couple of times. And I have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've come very close a couple of times and like there is like a big anxiety about like everybody's going to be so disappointed in me and like this and this. And like a lot of times, like it's never as bad as you think it's going to be. Like no one's ever upset with you or, or as like disappointed in you as you think they're going to be. Yeah. You know? And like, well, you're, you're really the, it's, it's your, in most cases, you're the judge, mm -hmm. right? So how you, how you relate to your own successes and failures is really about your own perception. Mm -hmm. You know, like I I remember this is a weird example, a a weird trail to go down, but I remember being at Yoshi's, uh, which is the old restaurant I used to work at. And one of the, when the old, when the old waiters would mess up, like they would be so disappointed in themselves. Like, like I, I never, forget Tim who was the oldest waiter did something he shouldn't have and he was like beating himself up 
and defending himself like relentlessly. And I just thought about it and I was like, you like, there's no way you're ever going to get fired from this restaurant. Mm -hmm. Like you're so established here. Like, why are you putting so much emotional energy into this failure when you could just let it go? Mm -hmm. You know, like you're doing, you're punishing yourself. Nobody else here is going to punish you, Mm -hmm. which is interesting. Yeah. Um, But so wait, so you're concise. Yeah. Patience, patience brings perspective. If you're able to wade through some of this anxiety, this, this personal pressure that you're putting on yourself, the self-imposed pressure, sometimes that allows you to like sit back and see what's the bigger things that are going on rather than getting wrapped up in these small minor inconveniences and annoyances. Patience is an interesting word though. Well, I think though, I think this movie show like, that's the thing about, well, there is, so there is a a slight class thing going on in this film too. So like, obviously Steve Martin is upper class, you know, he's, he's a businessman. He flies first class. He's got a nice watch. He can just, fling money and credit cards around left yeah. and right. Like he, for a cab, he's paying a guy $75 just to get his cab. He, yeah. he solves a lot of his problems with his money. And when he can't, yeah. he gets frustrated. Right? Yeah. Like things get easy when you have that much money. Every, and, yeah. and so I think there is this like, I think sometimes people who are upper class or at least like middle upper class or upper middle class, my apologies, upper middle class. Um, Lose patience for people that that de- they deem beneath them. Yeah, for sure. Like you know, entitled. We want to talk about like there's a whole thing like the Karen, the Karen of it all. Yeah, right. Yeah. Up, upper middle class women who do not suffer anything they think is beneath them. Right. Right. It's and and it's like you, and that's the whole thing we criticize those people about. It's like you don't you're not seeing a much bigger picture because you're getting so bogged down with this thing that is inconveniencing you. Right. Yeah. It's like Steve Steve Martin's character is like 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 he's like, okay, so you come in at ten instead of nine. Or ten instead of eight, right? Like like sure your family would, would want you to be there, but like it's a couple hours. I'm sure your family will be okay with that. You know? Yeah. And so like you don't have to like be trying to steal we, cabs we, from we, people but, and, and But we, that that's where I think that's where we're honestly if I had a to like pick this movie apart and, and find flaws. Uh, that's, that's where this movie misses. Mm-hmm. I think it's because the subtext would say that they're on the verge of divorce mm-hmm. and the, and like the subtext would say, daddy has to be home for thing. You have to like, you have to be home for Thanksgiving mm-hmm. or right. But, but that, that flight is not, again, he has several days to get home for things. But this is a, this is, this is before the internet. This is before all of that stuff. Right. So if he's back and forth from New York, there's no like if there's any been any sense of infidelity, the wife can't know what he's doing. Mm-hmm. You know, like like all she has is his word. Right. You know, and if you know, she he could have a whole nother you know, family. What you know, what a world we live in these days where men can't have extramarital affairs it's just too easy to be found out these days what a what a well, horrible world we live in but i'm saying that's all like that's subtext no right? i know like, I, I get what you're saying also we get the sense that like oh yeah he works in new york away from his family 
So we get the sense that like from him, not from anything else. And you're right. The movie does not do a good job of putting stakes on this. On him. Yeah. There's like, why, why does he have to be home? Exactly. Like, like, yeah, yeah exactly. This movie does not do a good job of putting yeah. external stakes on him. Yeah. It's all self-imposed. And yeah. so it's like, we get a sense from him that there is a risk of like, if I disappoint my wife, something bad is going to happen. Yeah. Right. And that's yeah. why he's so angry and, and, and impatient you know and so i get what you're saying there is a subtext from him but i think that's why for me that's why maybe i was getting what i was getting out of this movie is that because in our day-to-day lives we don't have exactly those those huge external stakes it's just a day-to-day every day you go into a convenience store and they don't have the thing you want or they're yeah they're out of the thing you want you blow up at a per at a human being right it's little, little infraction. Exactly. It's like, it's like that's the issue here. It's like this guy thinks he's so much more important, and his and his what he wants and the things that he needs or thinks he needs is so much more important than everybody else's shit. He's racing people down the street trying to pay, you know, pay off people to get cabs. Yeah. He's yelling, he's shouting at car rental people. Well, he's used to getting what he's want he wants by maneuvering the way he wants. Exactly, and and I, and I and I think it's like we see that he is very impatient and he's very judgmental. Yeah. Again, he you know it's that he doesn't suffer fools like as you know he yeah. he's like I'm not going to tolerate you because I don't have to. Yeah. So I I like your I like your theme, Glean. Thank you. Um, Thank you. I, I I felt it. I felt it. I I don't know if I would use the word patience because I'm going to try to bridge. I'm going to try to bridge your theme Yours. to to mine, but also – so I, I think there's like a, an easy grab mm-hmm. here. Uh, and then I also – Family. Well, kind of. <laughs> like uh, I think there's an easy grab and then I think there's like a much more heady kind of like me and you conversation. Mm-hmm. And I, I think yours is the – your theme, Glean, is the Steve Martin to the Bill Murray. It's the missing link. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to give you the Tom Hanks. Okay. I'm going to give you the Tom Hanks. Give, give us the Tom Hanks so, so we can see the see the yeah. see the bridging. Yeah. The Tom Hanks is um, be thankful for what you have because it could always get worse. Mm-hmm. So, like, so we see that, like, it, you know. Um, I don't even know their actual names in this movie. Neil and Dell. So Dell, so Dell has lost everything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So he's thankful for what he has. He's much more, he's much more grounded in, in the moment. Um, because he's to the point where he's just surviving, mm-hmm. you know, and he's thankful for the, for the little thing. Yeah. For know? the, for the small creature comforts, for the small interactions. And, and he's a con man. He is a con. I mean, he's a salesman. He's a con. He does con. Yeah. He's straight up a con man. I mean, like he cons, he cons Neil. Gets him to pay for the you cab. Know? Gets him to pay yeah. for the hotel room. Sarah, Sarah, Sarah brought this up. Why, why is he going to Chicago? So the movie, I think the movie, the movie kind of answers this in that he's just going to go. Like, like he, he's, he's a traveling salesman. He doesn't have a home anymore. Like, right. He's like, wife is dead. So he doesn't really have a, a place to be. So he kind of just drifts from large yeah. city to large city trying to make money. Like yeah. he honestly doesn't have, and that's, he knows a guy in Wichita, Kansas. 
or not not Wichita. They're in Braidwood. I apologize. They're in Braidwood. Okay. But anyway, yeah, yeah. that's where the that's where the uh, that's where the uh, inn is. But you know what I mean? Like he knows a guy in this random ass motel in in middle of nowhere. He's been around. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like that's yeah. he's just a drifter. He's a sales a traveling yeah. salesman because he does not have a home. So I, I think he's, honestly, he's a low yeah. low end swindler. But it's a good reflection because I mean Neil is in marketing, right? Mm-hmm. And that's just the that's the high end version. Yeah, that's the high end version of what he does. Exactly. You know, um, so to me, like that, the idea that it could always get worse mm-hmm. is like what is the lesson that Neil is having to learn? You know, mm-hmm. and I think Dell is learning that really what makes life good is relationships, mm-hmm. you know? Well, it's kind of like um, this, this idea of like, you know, when you're on the highway and there's like a decent amount of traffic where things are maybe slowing down a little bit and you see that one person that just keeps going lane to lane to lane to lane to lane, right? Just keeps changing lanes. And then there's the person that's like, you know what? I'm just going to stay in this lane and you know, we're going to get there when we're going to get there. You know, statistically the person that does like all the, the back and forth of it all gets there. If there's a negligible amount of time that you gain doing that, if at all. Yeah. And that's like what, like you said, like that's kind of like the, be thankful for what you have kind of thing of being like, if you would just wait, <laughs> you know, yeah. if you would just like be there for a second, you would probably see that you can probably get there in the same amount of time with less amount of stress and work. Yeah. Like we don't really have control over a whole lot, mm-hmm. you know? And so, you should be thankful for what you have because you could lose it. Mm. You know, like he's trying, like it should have been a two hour flight, New York to Chicago. But if the universe does not want you to get somewhere, you're not going to get there, mm-hmm. you know? And I just kind of had to learn. I, I, it's, it's to talk a little bit about myself here. Like I had to learn this lesson like last week, a little bit uh, when I went to my buddy's funeral mm. I don't know if I mentioned that on here last time, but I I was supposed to speak and I didn't get to. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. So I had written something and you know me, like I don't write mm. ever. Like it's really hard for me to get myself to write mm. unless I have a reason to. And this was a good enough reason for me. So I wrote something and I thought it was beautiful and elegant and I was really proud of it. And I get to the funeral and my name wasn't on the program. And I, I was told that I was going to get to speak, mm. but it, but I wasn't on the program. And then I just kind of figured out that they had to make cuts because mm. it was getting too long, but it was never like communicated to me. Mm. Right. So I ended up getting to read it later with like some of our close friends, you know, mm. but I had to come to the realization, like you may think you're called to speak, but you know you are if you get to. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I, I was totally convinced and convicted that I would I should be someone to speak at this funeral. Mm-hmm. But I had to let it go in the moment. Like no matter how good it was, mm-hmm. it was not meant to be. And so I think there's like that in this film, right? Like you could want something really bad, but it might not be the best lesson for you to get what you want. Mm-hmm. 
maybe there's a lesson to be had from not getting what you want. And I, that's where I want to try to get the bridge. Mm -hmm. Okay. So yours is patience. If you're paid, say it one more time. Patience brings perspective. Patience brings perspective. Okay. I agree. I might, I might remove the word patience and replace it with faith mm-hmm. um, or hope, maybe. Um, but I think patience is a is a, an intrinsic part, right? Well, you have to of both of those. You have things. to believe that, it, yeah, the thing will come when it's meant to come, yeah. right? And so this is where where Del the fact that his name is Del Close or not Close Del Griffith. Mm-hmm. Um, is kind of, I think, important and relevant because, and even like bringing Bill Murray into this is is interesting, but like just as like a mm-hmm. upper tier example of what we're talking about because Bill Murray actually moves through the world in this way. It's kind of known that he does. Mm-hmm. And just the fact that John Hughes is coming from this background that's deeply connected to long form improv, mm-hmm. okay? So some of the, the reason I'm bringing this up is because there is this existential mindset. There's existential meaning in this movie that is very connected to long form improv, very connected to Del Close. And it's very hard to talk about because it is a, th- is a bit ethereal. Mm-hmm. But it, it has to do with kind of this movie is sort of presenting like the Del Close life philosophy. You know, like you, yes, and a situation you don't know about it, you know, mm-hmm. like eventually you're going to get to the point that you're supposed to get to, but you have to have this yes, and mindset, this positive mindset mm-hmm. to eventually glean the meaning that you're meant to glean. Right. You, you can't, you can't fight the universe because the universe, yes. the universe is always going to win. Is unbeatable, it's, and it's it'll just it'll just chew you up to the point where you stop resisting. Yeah. yeah. So like that's I mean this is connected to what we're talking about with Birdman, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can't kill yourself even. Mm-hmm. Like you might not be able to. Like well, I don't even want to evoke that idea, but like that's what happens in Birdman, right? Like like he tries to kill. He can't even kill himself, right? You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like. Steve Martin's character in this movie is so desperately wanting to get home, but really the lesson he's supposed to learn is right in front of him. You know, he could not have a home, you know, he could, he could, he could just as easily be Mm -hmm. Dell, Dell, you know, Mm -hmm. and Dell has, been beaten down so much that he has to move through the world from in a moment to moment positive way because it's so sad (laughs) otherwise Mm -hmm. you know and i don't know i think there is like this there is a philosophical notion and that's why i'm like having that's why i wanted to try to bridge it is because i am still figuring this out myself Mm -hmm. like this is still something um, I'm fascinated with, but it's def- like this whole idea that you can't fight the universe. Yeah. You know? Um, I told, I think 
to to go back to something you were saying of like how like I sometimes remind you of like this John Candy character. It's because I I kind of have that very similar idea of like the at least with the small things, right? Small things. And like I said, I, I kind of made the joke earlier, but I do kind of have had this idea of like, don't even occur to me as as yeah. being as being something that upsets people. So like, yeah. for example, I, I lived with a buddy in Chicago um, I, that I went to college with and we moved up to Chicago. He was a he was a aspiring writer um, and I was an aspiring actor writer and we we were living together and we were really good friends. We were I mean, we were like he's my best friend at that time uh, and we lived together pretty well i think honestly we i think we but there was a moment where you know we would you know we're we're both we were both people who wanted to tell stories and we love so we both love movies so we were both like watching like dvds a lot at that time we would like basically we would both be at work one of us would come home probably watching a, a movie and we'd watch movies together and this and that so one day he like gets frustrated with me and he's like, he's like, dude, can you please take the DVD out of the Xbox when it's done and put it back in the case? And, and for me, in my head, that is such a frivolous thing. Yeah. Of like a you're to get upset about. In my head, I'm like, the amount of time it would take you to when you're putting in the disc that you want to watch, the amount of time to just Take because I always leave the 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 box on the on the thing like you know the open boxes just like right there right so it's like mm-hmm. the amount of time it takes for you to just take that disc out and put your disc in is so negligible to me it would never bother me that would never ever upset me in a million years if someone left a DVD in the DVD player it would never ever upset me to have to take it out before I put the one I want to watch in yeah but it made him very upset. And he like we talked about it after he's like he's like I just feel like that's disrespectful of like you know like that you're that you're not even you're, you're not taking the time to like take it like when you're done take it out and put it away right that like yeah I, I was like okay like if you want me to I'll do that but like in, again in my head it would never have occurred to me to get upset about that things like that yeah. because I, I've lived with a few people that get upset about things like that and I'm like I don't get that I would never ever get upset about something like that well. So, so I'm always thinking about how to like move through the world, mm-hmm. move through the universe and not be miserable. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> like, well, like what, what, for me, it's like, it's like, yeah, like, like, I just don't think that like, there's, that's an, an important enough thing to like waste like emotional energy. Yeah. On. yeah. I, I, I mean, yes, but usually those things are a bigger, a microcosm of what's really going on. Mm -hmm. Like that roommate was probably pissed off at your Diet Coke cans too. And like, you know, so, so he got triggered by this one little thing that was actually represented by Mm -hmm. a bigger thing, you know? Mm -hmm. But what I'm saying is, is like, so how do you prevent yourself from even like having that triggering, Mm -hmm. like to get to this, like Zen Buddhist place of, uh, so like this philosophy that we're talking about and a lot of improv philosophy is connected to Zen Buddhism, I think. Um, but I don't know if I like it as a concrete resolution mm-hmm. as in Buddhism, because Zen Buddhism is essentially really, really depressing mm-hmm. uh, because it's nothing, you know, that's like the idea that it's, it's like nihilistic acceptance, mm-hmm. which I don't agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 
So how do you move? How do you not be the Steve Martin? Mm-hmm. You know, like, like how do you move through the world and not get frustrated? How do you move through the world and go, okay, I'm getting frustrated. So it's like, you do come to this. I think, I think we all get here is you have to come to this precedent. You have to come to this like threshold of, okay, if I don't believe in anything, if I don't believe in meaning, then this sucks. And you do spiral into nihilism. Mm. Okay. Or complete and total uh, indifference, which might be just another way to say nihilism. But most people are frustrated by not like they crave meaning, Mm -hmm. you know, like. So if you're going to believe in something, okay, then you have to believe that everything that's presented to you moment to moment is to teach you what you're supposed to be getting. I think. Mm. So, so like long, like you're, you're dangling this patience thing, like everything that's put in front of you is a lesson to be learned. Mm. And if you're getting frustrated, then you need to step back and figure out what you're not getting. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and, you and, to- and I guess to your point of like with like the the roommate thing of like what's actually the thing that's frustrating you, right? Like yeah. what's underneath? What's what? Like you're getting frustrated about this thing, this this event, this event, or this small thing. But like you're like you said, there's it, there's something else under that that's like really yeah. what you're frustrated with, and maybe that's what this like moment is trying to like get you to realize of like oh, there's another thing that you're avoiding yeah. or you're subconscious yeah. you're not conscious of. That is yeah. actually what's getting at what's yeah. uh, you know what's the problem? Like the best the best moment in this movie, in my opinion, mm-hmm. is when Steve Martin and John Candy, Wendell and Neil are in the hotel room, and they it's like I think the last one they're in, mm-hmm. and Steve Martin says, "Why do I feel like I'm at summer camp?" And I think that's how I feel with you, you know, mm-hmm. like, like they are able to get back to that childlike friendship place. Even after yeah, being so angry with each other. Yeah, because they're meant to be friends, mm-hmm. you know, like S- Steve has things to learn from John, you know, mm-hmm. and John has things to learn from Steve, you know, and, uh, and that's what. I mean, that's what the universe is throwing Neil into, mm-hmm. right? Is like, he needs to, he needs to learn to help carry this guy's baggage, you know, mm-hmm. like, because that's the lesson he needs to learn. And I think Dell needs to learn to let someone help him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have well, that's to the, carry. Right. The I mean, throughout a lot of the movie, he doesn't even, I mean, he asked maybe once or twice, but like, after the train and stuff, like when the train breaks down, he he looks and he sees Neil, and he just decides to, like you said, drag his trunk, drag his baggage by himself. Yeah. He doesn't even ask yeah. anybody else to help him. Yeah. And like I mean, that, I mean that trunk, like you said, is like if we want to get into like the more like analytical writer brain, like that trunk is literally a metaphor for the baggage that he's carrying around yeah. about the yeah, death, whole- the death of his his wife. 
you know, it's the sum- summation of his life, right? It's everything is in that trunk. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so like, it's also one of the only things that survives throughout the whole movie, right? Like yeah. wallets, money, credit cards, cars, rooms, yeah. literally entire modes of transportation break down. But that yeah. trunk is there. That baggage is always there. It yeah. always ma- it comes through. Planes, trains, and automobiles is just how we move our baggage, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't. I know that I'm kind of being ethereal with this. No, improv. I think no. I like that you're going because I think I'm going more of like social with this. Like yeah. this movie makes me think of. Have, have you ever watched the show Breaking Point? I can't no. remember what channel it was on. If it was on MTV or if it was on like Spike or something like that. But basically, the the show. Oh, not breaking point, boiling point. Apologies. You ever seen boiling point? No. So basically the concept of the show is it was a prank style show, almost like punked, where there are a bunch of hidden cameras and they'd set up a scenario in a in an everyday place. And they'd set it up to be the most frustrating scenario for for everyday for an everyday person as possible. And they would say, Okay, we're gonna say we're gonna set a time. If this person can get through this situation, 10 minutes of this situation without blowing up at somebody like losing yeah. their losing their cool then they'll get a cash prize but they don't know they're yeah. playing right so it's literally a, a social test of like yeah, yeah, how much yeah. was how much are people able to put up with willing to put up with and them not even knowing that they could potentially be rewarded for their patience right and so yeah. i used to watch that show and in my head i was like that show would be no problem for me. I would win that show every time almost. Yeah. Not because I wouldn't get frustrated or mad because I, I would eventually, <laughs> but I would, yeah. ne- I don't think I would express it or, and, or I would never take it out and explode on somebody else. Yeah. Even if it was their pro- fault, like I just wouldn't, I would yeah. never take it out on anybody else. And you as a server, I'm sure has, have a perspective on this too. What about you? Have you ever lost your cool on somebody in a situation like that? Uh, no. I mean, uh, the closest probably has been as a manager in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were some very frustrating moments, uh, dealing with people during the pandemic because, you know, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, like working during the pandemic mm-hmm. and the mask rules and you're open one day, you know, so like having to like, deal with all of the sociopolitical mm-hmm. BS that everybody's bringing in and then like having to have your own rules that you might not even agree with. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it was, that wasn't, that was the closest to breaking I have ever been. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've only actually like really blown up like two times in my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, Sarah would probably say that I have been frustrated, mm-hmm. but like I can only think of like two or three times that I have just lost it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, and, and that's because I judge anger. I definitely mm-hmm. judge it as a weak uh, emotion. No, I do too. Um, but I think there is a time and place for it mm-hmm. and I'm trying to, and a way to express it. Yeah. Uh, I, and yeah, I totally agree. That's I think something that I'm also trying to learn too is that like you you said this to me once and I know it's true, but I don't. A lot of people would disagree with you. 
Because I don't I think be, you told me I, you said I was one of the angriest people you've ever met in your life. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and, I stand by it. I, I know you it. do. I, I'm like I'm like that little anger character from Inside Out. It's just like bubbling under. <laughs> but you, you're just always simmering. I'm always you know? I, yeah, I simmer a lot. Um, yeah, I, I do. I, I was I agree. I I look at anger sometimes as a weakness, like or at least people who aren't able to control their anger. You yeah. know. But the thing is that the snake bite with that is if you are controlling it that much, it's going to eventually come out in weird ways. Yeah. And you, you saw that with me, mm-hmm. you know, like Chicago, that was, that was my Chicago experience, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, yeah. So yeah, no, no, I, I get what you're saying. And, but you, well, continue. I'm well, sorry. Just, uh, you know, like I said, this, this movie reminded me of like a, of a boiling point type show. It's like, this guy's gonna lose his cool. How long is it gonna be until he does? And when he does blow up, it allows him to reset a little bit, and yeah. he, then he does well, get to to see later. Yeah. Well, that I think he had to blow up. Mm-hmm. You know, like he had he'd been holding all this in. He had to let it go, mm-hmm. and it's not until you let it out that you can let it go you know if you're holding it in all the time you're not gonna be able to let it go Mm -hmm. and so i mean i I think that i think i think john candy out acts steve martin in this movie in every way except the fucking monologue like that fucking monologue is so fucking good the way he fucking delivers those fucking lines is fucking mind blowing. Like he, he just you know mm-hmm. he fucking killed it. Like it's a great monologue. Yeah, he 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 comes in there, and the conviction that he has, and the justification that he has, he's like, I don't care. Like I am completely justified in speaking to you this way, and I mean. Like, he's like, come at me, you know? And like, the, just his delivery, like, I totally believed that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I know how many times I'm saying the F word, and I'm going to say them some more times because I fucking can and I fucking have the right. To. Yeah. Yep, Which yep. is like, I, I thought, I thought that was incredible. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great scene. Shout out St. Louis. Whoop. Yeah. 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 Uh, Lambert airport is the airport that I fly in and out of when I go home. So like I, it still looks like that. <laughs> a lot of it, a lot of it hasn't been remodeled that much, especially that terminal that, he, that you see in the background of, for a lot of the, those St. Louis scenes. Yeah. Yeah. So it looks exactly like that. <laughs> so it was kind of interesting to see, to see St. Louis for a lot of that, like the, the certain areas. I was like, Oh, that's kind of fun. St. Louis well, doesn't like, appear in movies a lot, so it's kind of nice. The circuit that this movie runs reminds me of our connection, you know, mm-hmm. like Chicago and then mm-hmm. St. Louis, and it's just very much like roots of our our relationship. Yeah, this movie's very Midwest. But I think, and, and because we have our base so much in improv mm-hmm. in our in our pursuit, um, which. And this podcast is just a further expression of us figuring out our philosophy, mm-hmm. right? From that improv planted the seeds for, mm-hmm. you know. And I think Dell got it close, but I don't think Dell got it right. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and Del Del Close or Del Griffith? <laughs> uh, Del Close. Gotcha. I'm, I'm referring to Del Close, but and and that's what. So like, I'm gonna try to put a bow on mm-hmm. what I've been saying. It's like right now. So like, I had such you know, I had such a bad time in Chicago, but I and it sucked, but. I'm finally, so I've, I've started doing improv again. I've, I've been going to classes and like, it's almost good. I didn't succeed mm-hmm. because all that stuff has had time to ferment and like grow me as a human being. And like, I'm way, way better than I used to be. And I also have like deep knowledge on the subject. Mm-hmm. And so, and also, like, a, 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 I think a whole deeper and richer well to 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 pull, pull from. And so, like, I could never have seen that if I had succeeded. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's taken ten years, but like, but that's I think that's what. So, like, to relate it to this movie, in the thick of it. Chicago was like John Candy for me. I just couldn't understand, you know, like why is, do I have to go through well, this? Well, not only that, like let's be honest about about Dell in this movie, about John Candy's character. He is obnoxious. Yeah. Like, he's a, yeah. a sweet, yeah. sweet guy. But like to be honest, anybody at home here, and uh, me included, would get very annoyed with that person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like he's so unaware. He's so yeah. unself-aware. And like, I would also be kind of annoyed by that person and like, maybe not want to engage. And so like, like, so I think maybe like this whole idea of like, he's, oh, he's just this and he's just that. And he's just a nice guy. It's like, no, no, no. He's got some areas to grow in. He's very inconsiderate and and not aware at all. And I think that's the way I was as a baby improviser. Mm -hmm. I think that's the way a lot of us were Mm -hmm. from the rough cut crew. Uh, which was a, the, our kind of group of improvisers. We also were a bunch of a bunch of like you said. You say this a lot. We we're kind of a bunch of outcasts, or you know, yeah. or at least people who didn't I fit, would say didn't fit in. Neurodiverse, per chance, probably, uh, probably, yeah. um, and and yeah, like I think. Um, so we were very unaware improvisers. We were. We'd get up on stage oh and we my, would just be in our own head. Oh you know? my God. I can't believe we won a competition the way we used yeah. to the way we used to do yeah. things. Cause like we were so unhinged. But I'm very proud of that. Oh I'm very proud well, of don't that. Don't get me because, wrong. I'm very because, proud of us. It's just it's like it's surprising because we were unhinged, especially well, at that we actually time. did we actually did take the philosophies that were taught to us and applied them mm-hmm. and won a competition. You know, we did treat each other that everybody has something they can bring to the table. We did. That's true. Know? We all valued what the different things yes. that each of us could, could yes. bring. And it's a real shame that the institutions that taught us those things didn't recognize them. Mm-hmm. And that's because of capitalism. But Hey, you know, I owe Chicago's back, right? Yeah, I know. I know. I, uh, and, and Tommy's actually performing on a weekly basis there. Good for him. Yeah. Good yeah, for him. Tommy. Shout out to Tommy Courts. Tommy Courts, very funny man. I, the, I think it's called Dog Prof. Oh, it's I've like, heard of Dog Prof. Yeah. Um, I'm not totally sure that's it. Um, c- congratulations to Tommy Courts, a former yeah. Rough Cut member, very funny man, former Grinch. Yeah, yeah. Former Grinch. That's a great way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> I love Tommy. I saw him at, the, at Brandon's funeral and I like, – 
Tommy seems so happy and I'm so happy for him. He used to be yeah, a grouchy, grouchy like, little man. Yeah, he was a little grouchy dude, but <laughs> but uh I'm glad to hear that he's doing he seems, good. Yeah, he's good. Um but yeah, I I guess what I'm just trying to say is is like what I'm learning is when you go through hardships in life, if you believe in something, give it long enough and you're eventually gonna find what you were meant to learn. Mm-hmm. You know. Um and I, I think there's a better, like I, this is, I'm actually literally working on this as a like philosophy, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm still haven't figured it out totally how to like convey it. And I think the practice of improv gets it right in a lot of ways. Like, like I said, Dell got close, but I think there's a major element that's missing that I think me and you explored with the movie that we made in that. you have to have positive intention mm-hmm. because it could all be nothing. You know, you have to have this like belief in something bigger that is a force for good personally. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, that's complicated. I mean, we, it, yeah. I mean, honestly, you're kind of, the way you talk about this, this movie kind of reminds me a lot of like, everything everywhere all at once a little bit like the, well, yeah. the way that movie kind of explores things is like hey like this might all and probably is all nothing but in in being nothing is also everything yeah i mean that's what those these movies that's like the undercurrent of these john hughes movies and these movies that were in ferris bueller's day off like like and harold ramus with Groundhog Day, there is this exploration of this deep philosophical theme that is grounded in the in the long form improv movement. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, like I said, I think as somebody who's moved through their lives in pursuit of truth, it's it's like getting close. It's getting really close. But I don't think it's the be all end all mm-hmm. by any means. But I, I do think it's 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 important to acknowledge it, at least as a building block to whatever we're trying to say. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, it's I think just to put a fun little metaphor on it, it's a it's a journey. It's a journey yeah. of a thousand roads and a thousand routes, of, you know, millions yeah. upon millions of different ways to get from one place to another. Yeah. Yeah, nice, and Ricky. Thanks. I love it. Thanks. I and it. all the obstacles and roadblocks and detours and yeah. weather and all the things that get in your way that just frustrate you because you're not getting to that place that you want to be. Yeah. And it's like... And that's, you know, and where I'm at in my life now, like doing this elf thing, I had I had really high expectations. And it's not what I thought it was. Um, and that first week I was really pissed you know, it, it was a rough first couple weeks, mm-hmm. but now like, though I don't ever want to necessarily be an elf ever again, <laughs> I am able to take a step back and start to learn from this. You know, I'm learning new things that I never would have learned if I hadn't done this. Mm-hmm. And so and having new experiences, like the one yeah. you talked about earlier, you know, that's a, a whole new perspective on things that you've never had before. I've had some similar stuff like that. I mean, if I could share a personal, personal story, kind of similar to that, um, you know, we had the pandemic. Um, my store that I worked at 
with these kids was closed for 13 months. 13 months yeah. we were closed. Yeah. And in that time, right before we reopened, um, well, so we, we had been open for a year, uh, about a year. It was, we were coming up on like our one year. It was in January. And we had this little girl that was coming to our classes. She was coming twice a week. She's a very sharp, sweet little girl. Her mom was a very, very nice woman. It was very involved. Um, and she would come and she would, she would like, she was very social. She would talk to us. She would like do work, workouts in the plaza while her daughter was in class. And we, we adored this family. January of 2022. Yeah, January 2022. Um, she passed away from COVID. Oh, wow. Um, just suddenly, you know, we went away wow. for Christmas. We, you know, we came, we, came, we like reopened a couple of days after. We hadn't seen the, the little girl in a couple of weeks. Get the, get the, you know, the notification this the mom passed away just very suddenly and it was very sad um that sucks it was very sad and you know we saw a huge drastic change in in the daughter after that yeah um she still was very sweet but like she was much more like sensitive and, and clingy she she her dad you know now a single dad was struggling a lot and he whenever he would drop her off she wouldn't want to leave his side so she like wouldn't come so like aunt came in to help and like she would get better but even now like they never took her to like a child psychologist or therapist so even still like sometimes when we talk to her she says things like mommy's still sick or mommy's still away in the hospital she like she hasn't you know she hasn't processed it yet fully um and she's she and it's really it's really tough man and like you said like someone she says something to you like mommy's still sick but she's gonna come home soon and you know that that's not the case. It's yeah. it's really really hard to like sit there and say something positive or or placative to and, to the child in that way in that at that moment. And it's like I'm yeah. lying to them right now because I'm. It's like a protection of the of the psych, of the psyche a little bit. And that's the area in the ground where it's the hardest to glean meaning. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like when you're that close to death, it's really difficult to maintain that positive perspective. It was, it you was know? definitely, I would say it, it was devastating. You know, like I, I wasn't even like, I only knew the mom from working at this store but even then like i was like we we think you're great this this mom was amazing and we loved the child we loved the family you know we adored them it was it was devastating and i'm not even involved in the family really you know what i mean and it affected me very very deeply um so like i think as much as as frustrating like you said as like maybe things might be with this elf thing it's giving you a a whole different perspective and experience. Yeah. It's making me grow. Yeah. That uh, something that you never would have experienced otherwise possibly. Yeah. And so maybe that's where, like, like you said, like the ability to allow and not shut yourself down from an experience and growing 
is what's going to give you the perspective that you need, you know, not yeah. allowing yourself to get taken away with the frustration, maybe more so not frustration, but the, the anger at it all. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you get angry at it, you're going to, you're not going to be able to see it. Yeah. For what but it I is. Think you, but I think that's part of being human, right? Mm-hmm. And you can't really, like we said, you have to at least, you can't help that you're angry. So it's stupid to deny the anger. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't grow the anger. You shouldn't expound on the anger, but getting past the anger is part of the process. I think You shouldn't allow the anger to, to lead you. Yes. Like you can have the anger, but don't allow it to drive your decisions. Yes. You know, don't yeah. allow it. And also don't impose it on others. Right. Is the thing of like, right. and you know, to get back to it is like, once you start letting your anger get you to forget that you might be dealing with other people, other humans who also have things going on, that's when things become a problem and you forget, and yeah. you forget of what you're supposed to be here to, to learn, you know, and experiences like the human, yeah, human experience and everybody's yeah. having it. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's a, a nice place to take a rest yeah. <laughs> on our road yeah. <laughs> of discovery yeah. and, and reflection. Uh, thank you all for, talking about planes, trains, and automobiles with us. Seth, thank you for, for choosing it because it is, a above anything else, just a really great movie and really fun to watch. Um, yeah. Um, and a movie it I is a holiday watch. movie. Yeah. It is a holiday movie. <laughs> it's a movie. holiday movie. So anyone that wants to get on our backs, get off that. <laughs> get out of here. Get off our backs. We do what we want. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> uh, it's time to talk about what's next. And we had already predetermined what yeah. this last film of the year Another John Hughes, baby. Another John Hughes movie, yes. So we are going to be watching 1990's Home Alone. Uh, the Christmas movie. The, the only Christmas movie. Definitely the Christmas movie of like our generation, for sure. Yeah. Like One of my favorite movies of all time. I watch this movie even when it's not Christmas, because I, I, I think it's that much fun. Um, yeah. So if you want to watch Home Alone along with us, I'm sure you've already watched it. <laughs> but if you want to watch it and then come and hang out with us for a little while, uh, you can catch Home Alone on Disney Plus with a subscription. Or you can catch it on Amazon Prime, Vudu, Redbox, Google Play, and YouTube for a small rental fee. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. Seth, you can shout yourself out, buddy. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Seth Adam Crow, and you can find me on Twitter at the Birdie Word. That's T H E B I R D Y W O R D. And also check out my website, SethCrow.com. Uh, that's Seth Crow, S E T H C R O W E. Yeah. And I'm Ricardo Boy Diaz. You can find me at Ricardo Boy Diaz uh, on TikTok and Instagram. And you can find us at the What's It About Film podcast. If- New episodes come out every Friday morning. Uh, you can catch those on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and actually kind of distributed about various uh, podcast platforms. Go ahead and look us up. You'll find us, I'm sure. Uh, but you can also find us on our social medias. Uh, on Twitter, we are at WeAPodWhat. That is W-I-A, pod what. On Instagram, What's It About Podcast, and on TikTok at What's It About Pod. Uh, we post links to the episodes. So if you're like, oh, I can't find it, or, you know, What's It About is kind of a, a, a more generic name. So maybe you're having trouble searching us. Uh, in which case, like I said, come come see our social media pages. We post the links there. And that way you'll be able to get your ac- direct access to those episodes. Yeah, we need followers, yo. Yeah, we don't have a lot of followers, but I will say we, we do get about nine to ten listens per per episode which you know 
not bad considering yeah. we're not yeah. we don't do a whole lot of advertising for the show <laughs> so it's gonna bust through we're gonna bust through eventually we're gonna bust through eventually i agree yeah. uh we're coming up on the new year here people so yeah. we are gonna be probably recording one more podcast before the year's over but it, i think it comes out i want to say it comes out just after the new year if i'm not mistaken um if i'm doing my math right somewhere around there yeah um so Anyway, (laughs) uh, we'll talk to you all again very soon. Thank you for listening and reflecting with us. We'll see you next time. Adios. Bye.